Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie. And if you want to catch up with us on Twitter, you can find us at ILTM Podcast. I also have an Instagram, I Love That Movie Podcast. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps new listeners find us. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon. Uh, my content's free, but if you want to support us on there, you can, and you get a bonus episode of just my thoughts of Pop Culture Weekly. I uh, do want to highlight my top patrons, which are Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross and Joseph George. Thank you guys for everything you do. And we also have a Discord and a Facebook group. Uh, the Facebook group and Discord are just places where you can talk about your favorite films, judgment-free, and my only rule in there is keep it positive. And last plug, uh, if you also want some I Love That Movie swag, we do have a Teespring, so please check out that store too. Um, and I have a new guest with me here today. I've got Stephanie Velasquez Ebersol. Uh, say hi, Stephanie. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, and so, Stephanie, um, you are new to the podcast. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? Okay. Um, I am a avid student of film. I have a degree in radio, television, and film from the University of North Texas. I'm also a mom and a teacher assistant. That's my day job. That's awesome. Cool. It's always great when I have people on here who've studied film. I'm kind of jealous. I only took like one film class. So I don't know. I just love picking people's brains that have, have studied studied it and love it so much. And yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Stephanie, my guest always picks the movie. So what movie did you pick to talk about today? I chose Hot Fuzz. It's uh, directed by Edgar Wright. Yes, um, I have to tell you, this got quite a response online when I mentioned that I was watching it. I always, every time I uh, my guests pick a movie, I go ahead and rewatch it, of course. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, when I said that I was watching this online, I got a lot of people saying, yes, my favorite movie. I'm so excited. So um, I think they're going to be pretty excited about this episode. That's great. My favorite movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when did you first see this movie? I actually first saw it back in like 2014. Okay. So not that long ago, even though it's yeah. been quite a while. Um, I know this is part of a trilogy that Edgar Wright uh, directed. So did you see this one first or second? Is it your favorite? I'm, I'm guessing it's your favorite of the trilogy. It is my favorite of the trilogy. Um, I had, I've seen Shaun of the Dead beforehand and didn't realize it was a trilogy. Um, mm -hmm. It got my attention when I saw Simon Pegg and it frosts together again. So I kind of stopped, you know, you freeze and 
you decide this is the show I'm not, I'm going to click off. And it, you know, so I, I sort of jumped into it, not exactly at the beginning, but I have seen it many, many a time since. Yeah, I think I saw it not too long after it came out, but I definitely saw it like on video um, or DVD. And uh, but it was really fun to revisit it um, recently because I feel like I got a greater appreciation for it. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, but just not only because it's a funny movie, but the cast. I mean, everyone in the cast is so different now from when like this first came out. It's just such big names, you know, at least in America. And that's a dream come true for filmmakers is to be able to have your small group of actors that you rely on to tell your stories that you can work well with and you know that they will deliver every single time and then they're fun to work with and so I think that that also is like the dream for a lot of filmmakers. I completely agree. Well, before we dive in too much further, I'm going to give a quick synopsis and then we'll run over a couple quick trivia facts. So as I always say, if you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, I would pause and go watch it and then come back because there's definitely going to be spoilers. Um, But here is a really quick synopsis of the movie. Hot Fuzz is a 2007 action comedy film directed by Edgar Wright and written by Wright and Simon Pegg and starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Peg and Frost play police officers attempting to solve a series of of mysterious deaths in Sanford, a village in the West Country. Tripped over that word mysterious, but you guys guys understand what I meant, what I was going for. Um, Yeah, so I feel like it's a pretty good description. Doesn't give too much away because I do feel like there's a little bit of mystery in this movie that's really fun. And I'm sure that we'll talk about it. My couple of quick facts that I had, uh, the first one I had was when in costume, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg uh, were often assumed to be police officers by strangers um, asking them for directions. And instead of telling them the truth, they just kind of went along with it and claimed it made them feel powerful. (laughs) What do you think about that? Typical actors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That must have been exciting. Like, oh, we're convincing police officers. Absolutely. And they're going to use that to their full advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I also had that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright interviewed many real police officers while doing research for the film. Many of the lines in the film, such as, I prefer to think of my offices on the street, came directly from those interviews. The stylized scenes of Nick doing paperwork were inspired by the officers, noting that paperwork is a huge part of the job, but is never depicted in cop shows and films. The visual style was inspired by Tony Scott's films. Uh, Roger Ebert's bigger little movie glossary was also used as a reference source. Kind of a lot of trivia things in one. (laughs) As a writer, you need to do your research. And I think they really nailed it as far as a, a cop film. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Edgar Wright, you know, he's kind of been described as a bit of a perfectionist by Simon Pegg. And I feel like they di- that's what makes this film so funny and so convincing is it does feel real, like the stuff that Simon Pegg says in the movie, like the my office is on the street, you know, is kind of mm-hmm. a like a little bit of a cliche. But at the same time, I do feel like there's a lot of police officers that think that way, you know, they'd rather be out there doing something. Um, that's the exciting part of the job. And then the paperwork thing, just having friends that have been cops. Um, I know that that, that is a big thing of like, you know, sometimes wanting to avoid arresting someone. Cause you know, there's going to be a lot of paperwork and you definitely don't see that glamorized on TV. So mm-hmm. I thought that part of the movie was pretty funny too. 
Absolutely. My uncle is also a retired police officer and that is, <laughs> he has stories and I just, I feel very connected with this film to family when I hear, we're like, yeah, that's nailing it right on the head. How it is. That's <laughs> is he a of fan of the movie too? Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? I said I got him hooked on the film. <laughs> nice. <laughs> a convert. Yes. <laughs> so um, the uh, the last trivia thing that I had was that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright spent 18 months writing the script. That's a very short amount of time. Really? I was going to ask you that. Um, yeah, some scripts go through a lot of transformations. So if it took them 18 months to go from beginning to end, that's that's pretty quick turnaround to perfecting it to a shoot-ready piece. Yeah, and I got the sense like that... Um, and maybe you can speak more to this. It didn't seem like a lot of their lines were improvised. It seemed like from like watching the behind the scenes, it seemed like it was directly what Edgar Wright written was just so funny and Simon mm-hmm. Pegg uh, that, you know, they were reading from the script. So it's like, it's kind of cool that it was like all their own, you know, ideas and thoughts and that it was that solid of a script by then. It's not like they were, you know, improvising or changing it on site. And if Edgar Wright is like truly the perfectionist, it was going to come off. I mean, every line, every word has purpose, which is another thing that attracted me to the film, is I really was attracted to the dialogue and the editing. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like fans of his, like yourself, I mean, that's what they love so much about him is that that is, like you said, it's always tight in his movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think we should dive in, maybe pick a few of your favorite scenes and we can kind of talk about those. What do you think? Okay. Okay. Sure. What's um, your first favorite? <laughs> well, I know kind of as he gets to the country and he's walking the beat for the first time and they kind of show that scene where he buys the Coronetto and in, in the little convenience store, he's talking um, to his partner about the job. And it mm-hmm. reminded me so much of how my mother and I used to do the exact same thing. She'd point to somebody and it's like, notice that person why are they wearing that thick winter coat in the middle of summer? Or do you notice that you can't see that person's face because their hat's pulled down? What are they up to? And it just it pulled <laughs> me into this idea of my childhood. I was like, oh, okay, so it's not just me and my mom. It's like actual cops <laughs> do this too. Which <laughs> And it's very observant to detail. Yeah. And I'm attracted it, to that. I, I, I agree. I think probably... You know, when I first saw this movie, I don't think I was as into like all the true crime podcasts that I watch and all the all the shows that I watch. And I think watching that under the that lens now, it makes the movie funnier to me because I feel like his character, too, in some ways of where I feel like I'm always like looking around like shifty eyed, like who's doing what and what's going on. And like, that's such a natural human thing to do. But especially when you have that kind of personality where you've, you're kind of always looking around for details. And um, I like that it's, you know, it's humorous in the movie, but then of course later um, it really benefits, uh, you know, Simon Pig's character that he has this natural propensity to like analyze everything. Oh yes. It does pay off in the end. And, and much like a good murder mystery novel, all those details wrap up and lead into each other. Right. Because, I mean, that, that's, an, that's a really smart thing about this film that you kind of that you're touching on is that 
um, you know, there are a lot of little hints given early on and they all start to make sense later. And that's, that's what makes the payoff so great in the end is that, you know, every little thing that he noticed is sinister and does have a purpose to play. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I also get like a thrill out of the action. If you think about, there's a chase scene um, where he's chasing the shoplifter. And it's so oh, Jackie yeah. Chan. It is so Jackie Chan Super Cup. And I mean, I saw it back when Super Cup <laughs> came out. So I hope that doesn't age, date my age or anything. But <laughs> I think that's just going to make you cooler, honestly, to our listeners. <laughs> I think I literally, and this is embarrassing, I squealed when I saw him do that. that like he's jumping the fence. And he, the next fence. The next, <laughs> I think this is like black flip kind of thing, like a acrobat flip. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I literally squealed the first time I saw that. I, I was just—it was shocking that I actually made that sound. But it's shocking that it's like that film just really pulls you in. You're like mm-hmm. involved. You're well, hooked. I think you're touching on something too that, like, if you have this action film vocabulary, like you do, uh, where you've seen some of these movies that it's referencing, then it just makes it even more enjoyable because it's, you know, Edgar Wright is paying so much homage to those films while still being like a funny movie. It it is a good action comedy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's but I'll have to yeah. check out Supercop. <laughs> well, Jackie is half comedian, half. The physical, you know, uh, action film characters. So, I mean, that was just a big homage to him. It was funny and physical. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I was saying, all the the stunts and everything that happens in the movie looks really good. Yes. Um, I think it's funny, the uh, Elroy Farm scene where... They actually need a translator to talk to a farmer <laughs> in the country. Yes. I mean, we all live in a culturally diverse world. And for listeners who happen to be in those kind of neighborhoods or in that kind of job, you get it, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you get somebody with, with a very thick accent and, and it's like, what? And they, they just bring it out from country life in England that they have a very distinctive accent that you have to have like two other people translate what one person is saying. Yeah. And ironically, it's the other guy that he can't really understand in the police force. And then Nick Frost. (laughs) (laughs) And I, we noticed too last night watching it that uh, the farmer they're talking to is Filch from the Harry Potter movies. Do you watch those? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, And there's so many of those actors, you know, the British actors that are in this film. And so that's, that's rewarding. And, you know, I think probably when this came out, I mean, it was like before, well, actually, I don't even remember when the first Harry Potter movie was, but before I knew everybody like just on site. And so it's cool to watch this movie now because, you know, actors like him, um, the the dad, the cop, uh, Nick Frost's dad in the movie, um, who's. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's Slughorn in Harry yes. Potter. Recognized mm-hmm. him right away. You know, just so many actors that probably 10 plus years ago, I wouldn't have immediately picked up on. It's like even Martin Freeman, like so many people that are just, you know, come to mind immediately now when you see them. But it's just cool. And probably, you know, just, or it's just great that Edgar Wright got all these really seasoned, funny people, even when they're in like tiny parts like that. Absolutely. I mean, how often can you... and 
I think Martin Freeman's in all. He's at least in this one and the the final one in the trilogy, which is the World's End. Ah, okay, okay. And so, yeah, these characters keep these actors keep popping up as different characters in this this collection that they have, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing that you can get them to come back even after they've been in major blockbuster films, you know, and featured in films you know worldwide. That they're still coming back to those grassroots filmmaking. Um, opportunities for yes, it's a small part, but they they bring so much life to those characters and makes it more memorable to watch. I completely agree. On you know BBC or you know in like you're talking about like these films, um, it seems like actors will kind of they'll stay loyal to you know people they want to work with, regardless of whether or not it's a movie or TV or you know whatever it is. It's kind of like they kind of made it safe to like do both things a little more often. And I feel like we've kind of followed suit over here a little bit. I mean, I think streaming services and stuff being so important now have helped too, but, but you're right. I feel like that happens a lot with them. I think they've learned that being supportive of each other helps everyone in the end Mm -hmm. instead of not doing that, but actually being more positive. For sure. Okay. Well, I'll just be general, like the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Um, after he has pretty much been told you, you've been reassigned, you got to move. I love, yeah. and this is what caught my attention was the quick cut movement. We're not doing a walk in the woods. We're not taking five minutes to, to move him from London to, to, um, this country. It was very quick, quick, quick paced, cut, 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 but you followed it still led you away from the city it even gave you the impression of how long it was taking because we left during the day by the time he gets there it's like late at night but it moves so quickly and i think mm-hmm. as a society we're not very patient anymore uh, everything yeah. instant you know i want to i want to know something i'll look for a podcast or I'll, I'll look it up on google and get my answer now whereas 20 years ago you had to crack open a book Absolutely, yeah. Even in, in movies, the, the editing process was very slow. I mean, I literally could count out 10 seconds, 15 seconds for a horror film to get its point across. And there are some gratuitous moments here where it's very graphic uh, death scenes. And they move so fast. The editing is yeah. after, uh, the, I guess the, uh, the one that comes to mind is the beheading. I mean, it was like, oh, yeah. cut, cut, cut. And it's like, suddenly you get the knock at the door. It's very slow paced. And then when they, when they're murdered, it's very quick. All the death scenes are kind of like that. <laughs> they're very graphic. <laughs> warning to anyone who's not yet watched it. Yeah, I feel like that's, you know, sort of in homage to, you know, action films that have these mm-hmm dramatic death scenes and there's a little bit of humor in the fact that you know even um like you mentioned when he goes from you know the big city to the smaller city even that's kind of a dramatic you know like you said highly edited and stylized transition mm-hmm. i think it's like over three thousand cuts to this film i thought i read that oh somewhere. wow i was actually doing a little bit of research about it and i was like it's it, there's a lot of editing that went into this film. Yeah, that's kind of like his thing, huh? He really um, likes that. <laughs> that's the style. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, this is the second Edgar Wright film we've talked about actually on this podcast because we also did an episode on Scott Pilgrim too. I saw Scott Pilgrim after we talked the first time we met just to see what that was all about. Oh, yeah. What'd you think? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) No surprise being a fan. (laughs) So, yeah, it was very, um, very creative storytelling. I really definitely fantasy action and sort of like self empowerment as well. I like that too. Totally, totally. It, that that's a very popular movie with fans as well. Um, let's see. Um, is it cool if I if I throw in a couple of my favorite scenes too? Absolutely, yes. Okay, so let me think here. I really like the scene where. Um, well, first of all, you talked about the beginning. I love that. Uh, you know, um, Simon Pegg's character is basically being moved because he's too good. <sighs> Um, you know, they they show in the beginning just how he nails everything, how he's got like every possible skill. And I love the when he gets stabbed in the hand by the Santa, like all that stuff is great. Very hilarious. And then when they basically say like, you're making all of us look bad, we got to move you away. It's sort of a, a little bit of a dig at, you know, police in general. It's almost like saying like, we don't want anyone to be too good at this job. I feel like there's a lot of like little subtle digs towards police officers without like being you know offensive towards them either um but i thought that was kind of funny and then that really you know pays off in the end when they need him to come back because he was so good but um i thought that was a really good scene and then i really like when he gets to the town and like you said he's noticing all these little details and um and just noticing how they've really dropped the ball in this town like you know, the kids uh, drinking in the pub, he kicks all of them out. He's a total narc. You know, he doesn't want <laughs> any underage drinking there. I love that scene. And I love that when he kicks everybody out, there's literally no customers left. Um, and it just, I don't know. It reminded me of like an earlier version of myself too, where I feel like I was very like, I followed all the rules. Maybe I'm still kind of like that. <laughs> but uh, I just, I think that that's very funny. All the scenes where they just, explore just how incredibly rigid his like cop rules are like really fun absolutely we all want stability and we all want to Mm -hmm. feel safe and i think police officers have that mentality of this is Mm -hmm. the law this is what i've signed up to enforce therefore and for him i think it's just like black and white that's it there's no right area yeah, yeah. And it's like it's he's so rigid in it that it's like he has a trouble having fun as 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 Nicholas Frost or Nick Frost character points out. Oh, absolutely. He never smiles. I think <laughs> the one true genuine smile is when they're in the pub and he's given his backstory about how he became a cop and like one what did he say? It's a shame cuz you would have made a great muppet. Cuz it was Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> for one year in his whole life, he didn't want to be a cop. He wanted to be a cop, except for the one year when he wanted to be a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. And that's a genuine pickle. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Nick Frost so much in this movie, too. Like, he's such a perfect partner. 
Um, and I, and uh, when I was watching it last night with my husband, Nick was pointing out like everything that Nick says, like, have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Have you ever jumped in the air with two guns? Like it all sounds so silly. And then at the end, they like do all of those things he mentioned. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, like back to Edgar Wright and his details. It's the seven-year-old's dream come true. It's like, <laughs> he acts like a kid. It's like every seven-year-old boy wants to know all these things. We ask so many questions. And it's like, it came true. Yeah. I also love when he shows uh, Simon Pegg the two movies. He's like, okay, pick which one. And he's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, pick which one we watch first. (laughs) (laughs) And it was uh, Point Break and Bad Boys 2. I loved that. (laughs) I want to watch those now. I said, I say that every single time I see this film. It's like, oh, we got to go watch those. And I don't know what it is. It's like, it gets away from you. It's like it inspires you to watch even more cop films. Yeah, I think, you know, a part of me, well, I have a movie podcast, so I do watch a lot of movies, but a part of me is like that scene in particular. I'm like, man, I miss those nights where, you know, I had more free time and like friends would come over and we'd stay up really late and like watch multiple films. Like that, that does not happen anymore. That is so good. Yeah. Um, and I've seen Point Break, which I love. I'll definitely tell you about a point um, later that really pays off from even them watching both these movies kind of come into play later. But it's even funnier if you've seen it, too. So you should you should you should definitely make time to go see those, too. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what about you? You go next. Pick, pick another scene. Um, I think that the whole uh Shakespeare I mean we all watch we all know about Shakespeare it's something you have to go through at school but I thought it was so interesting that the he pulls over the lead actor right before they have to go see the the performance and it's always the power of the pen which is something it's kind of an undertone to Shakespeare's always used the, the quill to empower all the storytelling that he did and then mm-hmm. kind of like why weave that into the dialogue where Sergeant Angel kind of just writes down every word that uh, <laughs> oh yeah uh, Mr. Blower is saying until he finally just gets up and apologizes <laughs> like yes <laughs> <laughs> the power of the pen I didn't even catch that that's so awesome <laughs> like, how often do you wish that would happen when you meet somebody and they want to argue with you all the time. So I work at a school. So I, I meet kids who want to argue that they're not guilty, that somebody else's fault. And they just continue to argue at a certain age they get to this point. Like, uh-huh. I want that power that he has with the notebook and the pen to just like, just stop <laughs> talking and apologize. It's all I was looking for. It's just, it's magic. I love that. I also, yeah, I love that. And I also love uh, later when they, he's forced to go to that play and um, the fact that it's Romeo and Juliet, but that they're obviously very inspired by the Romeo and Juliet movie that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was in, that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just like, that's not really what we were. Yeah. And I can see how the contention comes into play with with the uh, neighborhood alliance, how much they do. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, they actually kill these two actors because they ruined Shakespeare's play. Like, <laughs> that's not a, a punishable by death kind of offense, but okay. 
Okay, I have something embarrassing to admit. So it had been so long since I've seen this movie. It was, I don't know if you get like this, but I see, I've seen so many films and maybe I just have a terrible memory, but I'll kind of like, if I haven't revisited a film in a while, sometimes it's like watching it for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't remember what the entire twist was. Um, I didn't remember that the whole town was in on it. So that was very satisfying to me. It was kind of like watching it for the first time. And uh, when you find out that there's like a cult and that's why, you know, the killer was always wearing that sort of, you know, the outfit sort of reminded you a little bit of like the movie Scream, but it was like more sinister than that. And I didn't think that it was going to lead to, okay, they're all in a cult, which was hilarious because then you know it it was multiple people um so they did a total misdirect with uh timothy dalton's character the whole movie sort of accidentally admitting to crimes or admitting he wants to kill people all the time then in the end you find out it's like literally the whole town almost um but yeah i think uh you know when they explain to simon Pegg like why they're punishing people it's like at first it kind of makes sense and then they go on and on and on it's literally just every little thing that slighted them in this tiny town which feels like a funny like when he first gets there you know it's a small town and they've got like small town problems and that seems really boring to him until you find out later that the small town problems stakes are so high that they're killing people over it (laughs) and i just love that to be the best (laughs) town to win the big award (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a question to you then. Did you notice that Danny is also in on it? Dum, dum, dum. Um, Which character is Danny? uh, His partner, Nick Frost. Oh, gosh. I just want to keep calling him Nick Frost. So um, I can explain. He's kind of, he's like naively in on it, right? Sort of. Or what do you think? Think about it. Okay. So towards the end. Uh, Lurch tries to kill Sergeant Angel in his hotel room and mm-hmm. so all the clues click in and Danny shows up and he leaves Danny alone with Lurch who's unconscious on the floor and the next time you see Danny he's stopping him as he's kind of running away and he sees Danny with Lurch fully conscious and with him so you gotta think uh, how did right. Lurch and Danny get there at the same time I'm just you know clues here. <laughs> and then it's almost like Danny tries to save him from his family and, and the the friends because he, he does that whole fake stabbing him in the chest thing. Mm-hmm. That was intentional when he set him out of the hotel room. He put the notepad in his pocket with the ketchup packet in there. Oh, that's right. So when he stabs him, I mean, obviously, Sergeant Angel's exhausted from running and he's just given up, literally. every The world has kind of caved in on himself, including not you too, Danny, was I think one of the lines he says. But he realizes mm-hmm. Danny is also in on it. But Danny kind yeah. of has also converted away from that whole killer mentality, ignoring it to realizing we do need to uphold the law and gets him out of there. Does yeah, that- that's true. And it eventually leads to Simon Pegg convincing the entire police force. Uh, to turn on them too and become the heroes in the end stop being complacent actually do your job as yeah police officers <laughs> should and i thought that was, that was a big like character arc kind of growth that that they have in that storyline yeah i think the whole thing it's very funny but at the same time it's got a lot of like really emotionally satisfying moments too like even within the humor absolutely totally yeah. 
Okay, I have a random question for you that I noticed watching it. So in in the movie, it feels like a visual joke that they're constantly eating. Like, you know, their uh, sergeant or, or sorry, their head, the head guy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the, the captain, you know, gives them like ice cream and snacks. And it's really funny. But then also it seems like throughout the movie, you know, Danny and really all the police officers, even when they're not being given ice cream, they're like always eating. And I kind of wondered, is that sort of like a joke kind of like the way over here? Um, you know, cops are always eating donuts. I can imagine it's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) And I also feel like in a way it's a little bit of an unfair joke because, you know, uh, police officers have really long shifts. That's probably why it seems like they're snacking all the time because they don't really get like a full break during the day. You're seeing them in their office all day. So, you know, you and I can step away and have a lunch break, but they kind of don't, right? (laughs) It just never occurred to me before I was watching that randomly. You work really long, hard hours, kind of just eat on the go. Um, yeah. You, you so it's like, that's probably why we see them that way. Like, oh, they're always eating. Well, they don't have another time to eat. <laughs> I think in this case, there's just nothing else to do. I think True. They, yeah. They do mention going to the store a lot. <laughs> and what else is there to do but visit this shop and then go to that shop? There is, in their mind, <laughs> nothing going on because they're choosing not to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Although a part of me kind of, if I had to be a cop, I would like to be in a small town with nothing going on, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not that adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I was trying to think of another. Um, oh, I was going to say, so the part that paid off a lot for me was um, w- Timothy Dalton uh in one of the last scenes where they're like fighting him mm-hmm. and uh and then i think there comes a point where danny has to fight his dad and he like points the gun at him and then he shoots it in the air that's a, a scene from point break i think you actually see it earlier in this movie like that scene replayed but i thought that was a really funny payoff Absolutely. Like <laughs> Danny idolizes this film and he constantly mimics all the, the moves. It's like yeah. when it finally came down to it, he couldn't do it. He couldn't stop his dad. And that, that's true. When you love somebody, you make the best choice between what's right and what's in your heart. I think yeah. almost all of us are going to choose what's in our heart. I mean, I mean you have to be really strong to, to do the opposite. For sure. Mm-hmm. And selfishly, I'm kind of glad that he doesn't die just because I really like Slughorn. Not the dad in the movie, but I like when he's Slughorn in Harry Potter, so I didn't <laughs> want him to go. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that at the end, like all these, all the cult people really just end up going to jail. Like, I don't know, the, the movie kind of lets you like, nobody really dies except for the people that were murdered earlier in the film, I guess. I think only one person you could assume died. Uh, there was one of the serial killers that I don't know if you remember, they're doing all the paperwork and everybody's joking around at the end. And the only reason it catches my attention because it goes back to all the, the armory they collected was the giant sea mine. Oh, yes. The, the dog, guy that. Uh, shoots, oh, go ahead. Yeah, he shoots Danny in the stomach because he's trying to kill Sergeant Angel. And he, mm-hmm. uh, Danny jumps in the way and like saves him, gets shot in the stomach, 
And I think they throw the trash can at him. That's kind of like this running joke about the trash can hitting you in the head from off. off <laughs> I loved that. I was like, really? <laughs> but it, hits, it hits the bad, the bad guy, I guess the murderer in the head. And he stumbles backwards into the evidence room where the only thing left is this giant sea mine. And it rolls over on top of him. So now he's pinned down and then the leg clicks. Like, I don't know. He says some swear word. And then the whole precinct, the whole building explodes. And there's like bricks <laughs> and paperwork everywhere. And everybody's just like, what happened? <laughs> Such an amazing payoff because they got that mine earlier from, I'm just going to keep using their Harry Potter names. I'm so sorry, but Filch <laughs> in the movie, they confiscated that. I thought that was also kind of a funny thing they injected into this movie too, of how, you know, obviously in the UK, like it, it's not like over here where, especially in Texas, uh, where so many people carry a firearm. You know, right. you, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. It's not something that everybody has. It's completely and there, Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, I think you're allowed to have like maybe, a, you know, a shotgun for like hunting or something like that. But it's like, yeah, for the most part, no. And, um, you know, in the beginning, Simon Pegg asks him if he has a, you know, license and he goes, I do for this one. And that, which is a great joke right there, because he's got like a whole armory full of stuff they have to confiscate. <laughs> uh, but it also pays off later because it's often joked about hinted that everyone in the town is packing heat. And so later that comes into play when there's that shootout, because otherwise, how would there be a shootout, you know, in the UK? Well, if you're in a tiny town where everybody has illegal weapons, I guess. Right. <laughs> and it's all the movies right. that they're yeah, and all the movies that they're drawing inspiration from are American movies where there's lots of gun power. So, you know, they kind of have to have that in the in the movie. Yeah, think about the teacher in her little bicycle, and she flips it open. And you've got her thermos with her where she's going to keep the heat, and then two handguns, one next to each other in this like foam case. It's like wow. <laughs> A bit they're prepared, Mary, You know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very dirty, Harry. Absolutely. The nun in the shotgun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, what? And, uh, and the priest with the hand, with, what is it, the little minute that it pops out of his hand. It's literally weird. <laughs> pop out of his sleeve. He's carrying firearm in his robes. Like, I, I don't so know of any clergy member today that would really do that. <laughs> yeah only in an action movie only in an action movie yeah i think um what's also kind of funny too i was watching the behind the scenes and edgar wright says that he you know he's he's never picked up a gun and never fired one and even making this movie he's never he never fired one <laughs> really? which i thought was kind of funny hmm. made a whole movie about you know gun power and then he's like eh, i don't i don't deal with those <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting you just have to write about it, that's all. You don't have to experience it, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I also love that Timothy Dalton is in this movie, because I feel like I, I just recently watched him in a couple of things, but he's so perfect because he stands out so ridiculously in the town, you know? Like, he just doesn't belong there. He's James Bond in their little town. <laughs> he's tall. <laughs> he's really, really tall compared to a lot of the other actors and just members in the town. He really does stand out significantly. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just... 
Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just gonna say just his stature and everything about him. Yeah, and like the way he talks, and like uh, the fact that he's James Bond, and I, I also saw in a little east, like in a little behind the scenes, Simon Pegg was like, "It was so awesome. I was f- tackling and fighting with James Bond, <laughs> <laughs> and he won." He's like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he even said that he's like, and I won, yay. <laughs> He's just so funny in the movie, though. It's like, I think I wasn't expecting that. Maybe I just haven't seen him in a lot of, a ton of other stuff, but he was hilarious in the film. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think if I've seen him in anything other than James Bond films. I feel ashamed that if I haven't, I really can't think. I, s- <laughs> I saw him recently on a show called uh, Doom Patrol, which is like a, a comic book show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, he looks great, actually still (laughs) and he does a really good job but i don't know that i've seen him in a lot of stuff where he's funny i'm sure somebody out there listening will tell me especially a big james bond fan will probably tell me everything he's been in but i just thought his comedic timing was really good in the film and they wrote this uh that character with him in mind and so they were like i think edgar wright said they wrote like a timothy dalton type because they didn't think they would ever get him and then they did and it's like it's great that, that that payoff is really good then that's like a filmmaker's dream come true as well, is to get the actor you actually wrote this character for. You know, that's like, this was mm-hmm. meant for you. And then they actually agree and make time, because half the battle is just scheduling. Oh, sure. Because they want to do it. So a lot of actors are just more than happy to participate. So, but timing is everything. Oh, absolutely. Especially the more famous they are. Yeah. And like that, that was what was kind of cool. You were talking about Edgar Wright likes to have, you know, his own crew. And uh, in the behind the scenes, they were talking a lot about how, you know, they wrote every character almost for a specific person. And, and that's probably why all the characters work so well. Cause it's like, yes, this is who they're meant to be. I can't believe I haven't even mentioned her yet, but Olivia Coleman is in this movie too. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, that's crazy that now she's like an Oscar winner and like so famous. I was actually just watching her today because I was watching that show, The Crown. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she's the new queen. (laughs) It's really good. If you haven't seen it yet, the season is great. Okay. But she's so funny in this movie, too. um, I've seen her pop up in a lot of other stuff uh as well but i just again a small part but just such a great actor absolutely it's kind of what we call paying your dues you do all these small Mm -hmm. parts you work with people and then eventually it all pays off because somebody kind of talks about you to somebody else and the word spreads and then they're they're calling you to come audition and that's the exciting part so actors are very friendly with each other in that sense because like Mm -hmm. you never know where this is going to lead every oh yeah especially when you prove yourself on set that you're great to work with. Everybody wants to work mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. There are even some actors that are mentioned like in the behind the scenes, they're talking about that. I'm not as familiar with probably cause they're more famous maybe in British circles, but a lot of the comedians were just like, Oh my gosh, I'm actually in the same scene with this person. Yay. So like, I feel like that whole, you know, little uh, council was full of just a bunch of seasoned, really great actors. Oh yes, they were. Um, I'm one of those weird people who I recognize them from another British comedy and I'm like literally just yeah, yelling, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. <laughs> the Vicar of Dibley or, you know, uh, Good Neighbors. And it's just like, oh no. 
And everybody <laughs> in the theater is like, why is this crazy woman yelling out loud? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah, like, <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah, like, I, I think... Um, it was really cute too watching the behind the scenes because all the death scenes you get to see the actors you know like the woman with the the I guess the the Since, clippers in her neck oh yeah and she she was having a lot of fun with that she's like I've never died like this in a movie before but it's it's very fun and then she was saying like I'm gonna I'm gonna take this uh pictures and and use them for my Christmas card what do you guys think and like they were just having so much fun on set it seemed like absolutely. I can imagine they were just having a great time with each other. <laughs> Did you have any other uh, scenes that you kind of wanted to run over? I guess as a teacher, I think the one thing that kind of got me a little bit more emotionally is, is the closing scene where Simon Skinner picks up the, the little autistic boy, the Alan, and kind of uses him as like a human shield and hostage. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit. It's like, wait a minute, that's, you know, they referenced him slightly throughout uh, on, in the film, more so the the, the swan than the, the child. But. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, they gave like a tiny little hint, but then at the end, that was like the pivotal moment because, of course, kids like that are going to bite you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So mm. like, hey, that may be like a bite. 2007 not being fully aware of that right. not being a good, yeah. But they used it to its full potential because in the end, you think about it, he is the hero because you know, Skinner lets him go after being bitten. And even Sergeant Angel kind of says, good job, kid, because he did what he's supposed to do, defend yourself. Even yeah, as a true. small child, he knew that's the bad guy. I know, even though I've probably seen him all my life. When somebody does that to you, you don't, uh, you don't just stay complacent. You actually fight back. So kind of an awkward moment just as maybe like a mom as a teacher and to see that's like wow but um I think that scene really kind of hit me maybe too close mm. to the heartstrings gotcha but uh yeah um oh I, I when we were talking about sort of the swan a second ago um yes. There was a backstory with that, too, where th that was like one of the cop stories that came up was about a swan being on the loose. And somebody basically called in and was like, the swan's on the loose, like it's escaped. And, you know, that person was hung up on and then they called again and it, it turned out, yes, a swan had escaped. <laughs> and so these police officers were sent out to grab it. Um, and so they put that in the movie. So they're like, as silly as that seems, that happened. And I do think it's funny because... Um, one of my best friends who's actually been on the show, Kara, she was a cop and she had like funny stories like that where not necessarily a swan, but just where they, where they're called to do things that are not super glamorous and are just kind of, you know, they themselves are chuckling while they're having to do it. So I felt like that was really real. <laughs> Absolutely. And the swan turns out to, to be the one that captures the dad. That's the right. <laughs> I, I laughed okay. every time I saw that swan. It just paid off more and more and more until the very end. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, why are we using a swan? <laughs> and, and that pivotal moment that Sergeant Angel has where he's chasing the shoplifter mm -hmm. and he's, he has to make this quick decision. 
Do I chase the shoplifter or stop and oh, yeah. take the one second, two seconds, and then he goes after the shoplifter. <laughs> and it pays off, really. Swan came in at the end and saved the day. This is true. I also like that, you know, when he's making that tough decision, quote unquote, it's like he's either has to catch somebody who stole a bunch of snacks or a swan. Like, neither one of those things seems that important. It also kind of makes it pretty funny. Yeah. But that's probably the most exciting thing he's had in that town. In that to town that up point. until that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, let's see. I also like, okay, so I felt like it was a big red herring that they they put in this movie of like, you start to put together that people are trying to buy up parts of the town. And you think that that's what's going to connect all of it at the end. And then, nope, turns out that's not it at all. It's just that cult wants to punish people they don't like. And so I thought that was a funny payoff as well. Absolutely. They wanted to be winners <laughs> of the Village of the Year Award. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That was more important to them than anything else. The highway <laughs> being bought out, new stories coming. You know, they didn't want that either, and they did deal with it, but it was more because they wanted to stay Village of the Year winners. Oh, there's also a good joke too of uh, the the police uh, the the captain saying we like to make them think they run this town and they literally do later like they're the literally. cult. <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many good jokes in this movie. I feel like it, it really rewards rewatching. Absolutely, yeah. it's funny and it's action packed and it's kind of gory. It's really gory. I was going to I was going to comment on that um because I'm not like a huge gore person to be honest. Um as much as I love horror movies and other stuff like gore is not like my thing, but you can definitely tell it's Edgar Wright's thing <laughs> watching this film. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The uh the death where um the uh the guy the what's his uh, the journalist um is impaled by the tim top messenger. of that tim messenger yeah and they all have names in the movie of like whatever it is that they do like tim messenger um uh, but- merchant is the guy who is the big i don't know refrigerator mogul guy his oh, name yeah. is merchant <laughs> Yeah, they all kind of have names that have something to do with their jobs. But yeah, Tim Messenger, um, when he's killed, that death is pretty dramatic. (laughs) And they linger on that shot so long. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's too long. (laughs) It's long enough to make you uncomfortable with what's going on. (laughs) And like his whole crime was basically just that he misspelled stuff all the time. We Mm -hmm. see that starting with him misspelling Angel and calling him Angle. But they were like, he misspelled stuff all the time. And we didn't like that or whatever. Misquoted somebody's age. (laughs) Got me down at 55 when I'm really 53. I'm like, okay, that's two years off. You're over 50. I would have been angry that he even put your age down. (laughs) Exactly. Put, you know, mature woman or something. (laughs) Exactly. I love that whole scene too, where they're at the uh, where they're at the uh, the carnival or, or market, whatever. Do you remember what it's called the the fair? It was a fundraising fair for the church roof. That's right, fundraising fair. fair for the church roof, uh, church mm-hmm. roof, and um, 
yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed that part, especially when one of the police officers left and then that, I think the death happens and he comes back and he's got the Spider-Man face paint on. That was pretty fun. <laughs> I just, there's just so many little visual jokes throughout the film that I just really enjoy. Yeah, you get to, at the fair, you get to really see what the police officers in the film are like outside of their role as being officers. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, Sergeant, the, the female Dawkins? I think she's it's like Doris Thatcher. Mm-hmm. She's flirting with everybody. <laughs> and, and of course, the full Spider-Man face paint. And his son, same thing, full Spider-Man face paint. This is so cute. <laughs> like, he's got a family. I don't know. It's just, it was nice to see that, yeah, police officers have a life, too. Yeah, for sure. Like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, and Simon Pegg was so desperate for, you know, everything to be a murder scene, except that he's right. And so that pays off later, too. He couldn't uh-huh. relax and have fun, but he ends up being right. And they even set up that he's a great marksman in that scene because he wins that little monkey for for Danny. Yes. <laughs> Or big monkey, I should say, yeah, with, because he's he's an amazing shot, and he he does that whole typical cop thing of like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to relive that experience. So in this case, he's like, I don't want to pick up a gun again. Um, and then it turns out he's really good, <laughs> really, really good. Yes, <laughs> and and that sets you up for the end where he kind of comes in and he's able to do all sorts of. Very amazing things to take down all of the serial killers. (laughs) (laughs) It's very satisfying. It's kind of fun because it it sort of reminds me a little bit of like, you know, killing a bunch of zombies, I guess, like in Shaun of the Dead. But, you know, this time it's evil serial killers, like you said. Still a lot of fun. (laughs) I think it kind of blows my mind, though, that um, when he comes back into the town, the first two people he sees when he comes in is the farmer and his mom and i mean he kind of uh. like jumps he um he hits the farmer with the car but then he jumps oh, yeah. over and he, i just oh that's <laughs> grandma in the nose i mean that's graphic come on guys <laughs> yeah it's shocking because it's like you can't imagine anybody hitting an old lady or an old lady having any ill will anyway so it's just such a shocking moment yeah double barrel shotgun she's reloading so you know it's either (laughs) you or her what are you gonna do yeah and a lot of the fights feel kind of unfair because like even though he's you know able to do all these acrobatics and he's like jumping around a fight it's like he's they're like fighting old people (laughs) like the whole time i think that's another kind of funny part (laughs) (sighs) wow but he gets the kids in on it too Oh, yeah. Um, he puts he all those children in danger, by the way, <laughs> getting them <yes>. in on it. <laughs> but they're bored. They're looking for something to do. True. And, and they do help a lot. And yeah, they spray paint all the screens and stuff like that. security cameras are blocked out. And yep. I have no idea what they did to the lady at the little snack shop. Because remember, <laughs> she's got this sign, like, only one child in at a time. And they all kind of oh, yeah. burst in and take her out from the, from the, she's shooting from the second story window. So it's very, you know, cowboy westerny, the guy in the window. The yeah. 
what did they do to her that they <laughs> took her out? Revenge. <laughs> I couldn't buy my snacks with my friends. I don't know. That's so funny. I didn't even notice that joke pays off to the one kid in at a time. Okay. No, that's funny. And it's just like the bell kept ringing. Ding, ding, ding. And, and then all you do is you hear her scream. Like a few minutes later, <laughs> you hear her scream and there's no more shooting. Yeah, I guess just they broke the rule that that was enough to send her over the edge, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Um, so do you have any more things that you want to touch on? I feel like we covered almost the whole film. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll go to my last couple of questions then. So my first one for you is, and we've kind of spent this whole time talking about it, but if you could sum it up, what do you think, uh, keeps you coming back to this film? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? The creativity of it. Uh, just as mm-hmm. a film student, the fast-paced editing and the writing. It's, yeah. It's such a tight film. It's like I can't help but want to see it over <laughs> and over and over. Honestly, talking about it makes me want to watch it again right now. <laughs> um, so also, what's your uh, – well, and, and I guess I'll give my – Thoughts too. So I I think that this movie is really funny and it has so many little Easter eggy things that like pay off or so many little clues in the uh, in the scenes that pay off later. And it, you know, there are some comedies that you watch that after you see them one time and after you know all the jokes, it's not really funny anymore. But I feel like Edgar Wright is so great with all his details and, you know, Simon Pegg, too, that it makes you want to go back and see it again and again. It, it Almost like the jokes are going to get better with time instead of worse. Um, and then, you know, being a fan of action movies as well, I think that uh, all the little nods that they give in the film are awesome. It, it really feels like you're watching a fan, you know, get to make a movie that they want to make that's an action film. So it's like very satisfying on those two levels for me. Absolutely. The film itself is more than just one thing. It's yeah. action packed. It's a comedy. It's a buddy cop movie. It's it's a murder mystery. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much that it is. It's like hard to say what it's not. I agree. And all those elements could have been because it's a comedy, I feel like you could kind of skimp on some of those if you wanted to. Like you could just, you know, not make it a super interesting mystery or a mystery that's like easy to figure out immediately. But yet all those elements are done very well on top of that, you know? Absolutely. Oh, let's not forget it's a bromance. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a bromance. Yeah. <laughs> when you're watching it, you'll see what where that, they put that in in the film. <laughs> well, originally, um, you know, Simon Pegg was going to have a love interest. And in some of the rewrites, they just wrote her out, but they gave uh, Nick Frost characters some of her lines. And some of the lines they didn't change at all. <laughs> so you can kind of tell. <laughs> um, that makes sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how would you pitch this movie? Like, what's your kind of elevator pitch if you're explaining this to someone that hasn't seen the movie before? Oh my gosh, I'd say it's an action packed, kind of fast paced, funny buddy cop kind of movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it has everything in it. And I don't see how you would be disappointed in a film like that. It's just <laughs> too much fun for one viewing to see it. Yeah, totally. I w- yeah, I would say it's genuinely funny. 
and it's action packed. I mean, it's just, yeah, like you said, I think you said it perfectly. It's like, it's got a little bit of everything. So you can't not enjoy watching it. It's like a buffet. It is like a buffet. I agree with that. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for, for taking time to come on the show and for talking about your favorite movie. This was really fun. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Enjoy talking about my favorite film. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. And um, you're going to have to think about like a second film that you want to talk about for when you come back. Absolutely. We could finish out the Coronetto series and talk Exa- about Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, we should do that. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks so much. And uh, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Have a good one.